chapter twenty one of prince or chauffeur a story of newport by lawrence perry this librivox recording is in the public domain plain sailor talk miss hatch had some inkling of the prince's intention when she ushered him into the wellington study and as she met sarah in the hall on the way out of the library she held a gloomy countenance mrs van valkenburg she said in response to sarah's bright smile of greeting please don't think me impertinent but will you if possible see that the prince is not alone with miss wellington to-day and cannot you prod that terribly sluggish mccall sarah looked at the young woman wonderingly for a minute and then held out her hand laughing miss hatch you're a jewel sarah found jack near the garage but she did not have much success with him he was grumpy and replying to sarah's assertion that the situation was rapidly becoming rife with disagreeable possibilities he replied that he did not care a very little bit and that anne could marry all the princes in christendom for all he cared so sarah flushing with impatience told him he was an idiot and that she would like to shake him the only satisfaction she derived from the incident was that anne who came upon them as they were parting was grumpy too synchronous moods in the two persons whose interests she held so closely to heart was a symptom she told herself that gave warrant for hope rimini had turned up with the new car and in it anne sarah coltsoff and robert marie went to the casino mrs wellington drove to market in her carriage mr wellington remained in his study and among other things had buffalo on the telephone for half an hour armitage spent the morning with the boys and showed them several shifty boxing and wrestling tricks which won ronald to him quite as effectually as the jiu-jitsu grip had won his younger brother the preceding day at luncheon anne's peevish mood had not diminished which to sarah would have been a source of joy had she not feared that it was due to the fact that Colsoff had not been good company all the morning he was in truth quite at his wit's end to account for the behaviour of yeeski who had been instructed to get into communication with him by ten o'clock and had failed to do so thus Colsoff, even when with anne had been preoccupied and in need of a great deal of entertaining armitage took him to the city after lunch and as usual was instructed to return to the crags this gave jack opportunity to see chief roberts and to learn that yeeski was resting easily and cheerfully apparently eager to live up to the very letter of his contract anne was in her room when he returned and sarah was with her coltsoff came back in a taxicab in a frightful state of mind bordering on mental disintegration about four o'clock just in time to keep an appointment with his host and marie to drive to the reading-room as he crossed the veranda a french bull-pup ran playfully between his feet and nearly tripped him he kicked at the animal which fled squealing down the steps hey you cried the peppery ronald that's my dog the prince turned with a half snarl and flung himself into the house the great big turk said ronald turning to armitage what does he want here anyway it was nearly five o'clock when the telephone of the garage rang and armitage was ordered to bring anne's car to the house her manner was quiet her voice very low as she gave him his orders to town by the back road she said she stopped at one or two stores along tim's street and finally settling herself back in her seat said now you can drive home 
armitage looked at her for a second do you mind if i take a roundabout way i should like to talk to you anne returned his gaze without speaking then she nodded slowly yes if you like she said thank you he drove the car up the steep side streets across bellevue avenue and then headed into a little lane here he stopped overhead ash and beech and maple trees formed a continuous arch gray stone walls hedged either side beyond each line of wall pleasant orchards stretched away the sidewalks were velvet grass birds of brilliant plumage flashed among the foliage and their twittering cries were the only sounds patches of gold sunlight lay under the orchard trees level rays flowed heavily through the branches and rested on the moss-grown stones the pastoral beauty the great serenity the utter peace seemed to preclude words and the spell was immediately upon the two the downturned brim of her hat shaded her eyes but permitted sunlight to lie upon her mouth and chin and to rest where her hair rippled and flowed about her bare neck she raised her face and her eyes even level wandering sought his his eyes were the first to fall but in them she knew what she had read now the sunlight had fallen so low that it lay on her like a garment of light she seemed some daughter of hesperus glorified the waning afternoon had grown cooler and several blue-white clouds went careening overhead she looked at them how beautiful she said then she looked at him again with her steady eyes you wish to talk you said jack nodded yes i wish to but i-i don't know exactly how to say it she was smiling now how may i help you he shook his head doggedly i'm a sailor miss wellington you mean i'm to hear plain sailor talk she quoted good i'm ready he began with the expression of a man taking a plunge miss wellington i could say a great deal so far so far as i am concerned that i have no right to say now but are you going to marry prince kolsoff she started forward and then sank back you must not ask that she said i know i understand he said rapidly but but you mustn't marry him you know mustn't miss wellington i know it is none of my business and yet don't you know he added fiercely what a girl you are i know i have seen you are radiant miss wellington in spirit as in face any man knowing what kolsoff is who could sit back and let you waste yourself on him would be a pup thornton of the jefferson has his record write to walker attache at st petersburg or cook at paris or miller at london they will tell you why even in newport jack paused in his headlong outburst and then continued more deliberately it is not for me to indict the man i could not help speaking because you are you i cannot do any more than warn you if i transgress if i am merely a blundering fool if you are not what i take you for forget what i have said send me away when we return she had been listening to him as in a daze now she shook her head i shall not do that she said did you take employment with us to say what you have said to me no she hesitated a moment i suppose all men of kolsoff's sort are the same she said musingly i am not quite so innocent as that we are wont to accept our european noblemen as husbands with no question as to the wild oats immediately behind them or without considering too closely the wild oats that are to be strewn afterwards ah don't start that is the way we expatriates are educated no not that but these are the lessons we absorb and so she was looking at armitage with a hard face so the things that impressed you so terribly 
i appreciate and thank you for your motives in speaking of them do not appear so awful to me jack his clean mind in a world was looking at her aghast you you and wellington you don't mean that she flung her hands from her thank you she said don't i oh i hate it all she cried wildly the cross purposings of life the constant groping being unable to see clearly the triumph of lower over higher things i hate them all ah she turned to jack pitifully promise me for life in this place of peace the rest and purity and beauty and love of all this promise and i shall stay here now with you from this minute and never leave it though pyramus or king midas as you please beckon from beyond this mossy wall are you speaking metaphorically jack's voice quivered for if you are i she interrupted laughing mirthlessly i do not know how i was speaking don't bother i am not worth it i might have been had i met you sooner jack armitage for i have learned of you some things don't she raised her hand as jack bent forward to speak you mustn't bother really last night i lived with you a big clean thrilling experience and saw strong men doing men's work in the raw cold salt air and i saw a new light and then she was looking straight ahead then i was led into a morass where the air was heavy like the tropics and things all strange unreal and why why now the doubt which of the two i'd rather believe to-night you were too late i bade you come to us i'm glad i'm proud that i did for now i know the reason but she smiled wanly at him it should have been sooner is it too late jack's mouth was shut tight the muscles bulging on either side of his jaw is it you i must wait and see i i dreamed last night and it was of the sea men rushing aboard a black battleship rising and falling on great inky waves it was good so good to dream that not the other wait it is to be lived out i am weak but there is a tide in the affairs of men and women perhaps you she stopped abruptly let us drive out of here mr armitage here in this pure wonderful place i feel almost like shane stone's jessie what do you mean he asked sharply she smiled not what you thought i meant she said gently now drive away please as they returned to the house mr wellington and his friend were alighting from the touring car goldsoft was not with them as soon as he saw his daughter mr wellington whose face was flushed called anne to him say anne he said is that prince of yours a lunatic or what is he why no father of course not why do you ask well then if he isn't crazy he is a plain ordinary damned fool he was like a chicken with his head off all the afternoon calling up on the telephone sending telegrams and then between pauses telling me he would have to leave right after the ball for europe and wanting us all to sail with him then at the last minute some whiskered tramp came to the porch where we were sitting and the first thing i knew he had excused himself for the evening and was going up up the street with that hobo both of them flapping their arms and exclaiming in each other's faces like a couple of candidates for a padded cell duke ivan was a pill beside this man and that is saying a whole lot let me tell you why father exclaimed the girl i could cry we are having that dinner for him to-night and and oh 
she rushed into the house and found her mother in her room mother she said prince koltsov has gone off again he was with father at the reading-room and hurried away with a man whom father describes as a tramp saying he must be excused for the evening very well said mrs wellington placidly we will have to have the play without hamlet nevertheless but what shall i do you might ask mccall mother please what can we do frankly i don't know anne said mrs wellington i confess that this situation in all its ramifications has gone quite beyond me it is altogether annoying but let me prophesy koltsov will not miss your dinner he impresses me as a young man not altogether without brains although they are of a sort mrs wellington was right koltsov put in an appearance in time to meet anne's guests but the russian bear at the height of his moulting season or whatever disagreeable period he undergoes is not more impossible than was prince koltsov that night End of chapter twenty one